Shalom and welcome to Tanakh Study. This is Alex Israel from Alon Shvut and today we're going to have our second class on Parshat Noach and we're going to start from chapter 7 verse 6, Perak Zayin, Pasuk Vav. Uh, so far we have seen God's decision to destroy the world and we've also seen his instruction to Noach to make a teva and to take all of the animal kingdom into that teva, into that ark. And uh, God has told him that he plans to destroy uh, everything that is on the on the earth. Uh, we've also seen that uh, Parashat Noach, each section of the story is almost told twice. There's a huge amount of repetition. Some will say that this repetition is just a reflection of an ancient literary art um, which sort of enjoyed the notion of uh, repetition. Uh, you have to always remember that the Torah would be more likely to be heard than read, and uh, therefore the Torah was an audial, audio, like listen to uh, text. And many people think that uh, I know that we have a tradition in the Bet Midrash, a tradition in Rashi, that every word of the Torah is very carefully selected, and that the Torah doesn't even waste, uh, not even a, a letter. But the truth is there are many places in the Torah in which repetition is used. We've already seen that with the genealogies where it goes through a fixed pattern uh, repeating over and over the same sort of rhythm, rhythmic uh, features. And the Torah here also in the story of uh, the flood has great elements of repetition. As I said, some people will see it as something stylistic uh, part of sort of an ancient way of telling stories and the Torah clearly reflects uh, not our modern way of telling stories but uh, maybe the period in which the Torah was written, given um, or the other option is what I suggested last time which is that there are many aspects of the text um, which are told in two in two, uh, Two versions, so to speak. Why two versions? Because the Torah was uh, describes the creation of the world in Perak Aleph and Perak Bet in two very different ways. And therefore the Torah is going to describe the destruction of the world and the renovation of the world in those same two ways. In today's class we're going to see um, the entrance to the Teva, to the Ark, the way the floodwaters rise, the way the floodwaters recede, and uh, Noach and his family's uh, exit of the Teva, or the end of the Mabul. And as I say, when we read the story of the Mabul, not only do we have um, repetition, but we have certain contradictions. What do I mean? Did Noah take animals two by two? Or did he take two of the non-clean uh, non animals and seven of the Tahor animals, the clean animals? Did it rain? How long did it rain for? 40 days or 150 days? Where did the water come from? Did the water come from rain? Or from the wellsprings of the earth and the heavenly vault? How did the flood end? Did Noah, did Noah need a, a raven and a dove to leave the Teva to know that the waters had subsided? Or did Hashem tell him to leave deliberately? And you will find that the answer to every one of these questions is yes. <laughs> In other words, Noah was told to take two by two and to take two of the non-clean animals and seven of the clean animals. Which one is correct? 
it seems like from a certain perspective, um, the Elohim perspective, if Noah's purpose is just to regenerate all the animal kingdom, he, all he needs to do is take two by two. But if he intends to bring Korbanot sacrifices, he has to bring two of the non-clean animals, which will not be sacrificed, but seven of the clean animals, of the Tahor animals, because they will enable him to sacrifice. Um, did the animals come to their own, on their own to the Teva? Or did Noah have to go get them? If this is a question of survival, uh, then the animals will come on their own to the Teva. They'll look for a place to survive. They'll come. But if we, for the seven clean animals, Noah has to take seven animals. Um, when did they enter the ark? Seven days before? If this is a spiritual process, we need seven days of preparation. However, if this is just survival, then everyone comes to the ark at the last minute as the rain turns into something more than rain but becomes into a flood. So we're going to continue reading this and I'm going to point out some of the places in which there are some of these contradictions and where we're going to see things from different perspectives. I'll also add as a last word of introduction that we're going to see some very interesting dates in this chapter. The dating seems to be very very important uh, to tell the tempo of the story and it's interesting because this is the only place in Sefer Bereshit where we have calendrical dates um, and I wonder what that tells us about the story but it's clearly trying to measure time and one could argue as we will when we get to uh, chapter the end of chapter 8 that time in some way had been suspended the heavens covered over with clouds the inability to be able to see the difference between the seasons was such that maybe here the Torah needs to resort to using calendrical dates rather than being able to tell natural time through the seasonal changes and through the changes in um, you know in weather and what have you. Okay here we're going to start reading from chapter 7 verse 6 Perak Zayin Pasuk Vav Noach ben Sheshmiot Shana. Noach was 600 years. And the flood, or the confusion as we called it, was water over the earth. Again, interesting, doesn't talk about rain here. Here it seems like Noach and his sons, his wife and his daughters-in-law all come to the Torah to the Teva because of the flood waters. Here Rashi notes something very, very interesting that it says um, who's coming into the Teva? Noach and his sons, Noach's wife, and the wives of his sons. Why are the men and women separated? What is this machitza here? And he says, Anashim Levad Vahanashim Levad, men alone and women alone. And by the way, this is going to be um something which is repeated, well, I'll mention it again when we when we hear it in the text, um, it's deliberate that the men are separated from the women because they were not allowed to have marital relations in the Teva. Why? Says uh, Rashi, The world is in pain. The world is in pain. How can there be physical enjoyment? One might even say more than that. The world, uh, the notion of the propagation of the world is being suspended. 
how can human beings engage in procreation when the world is in, uh, in an era of destruction? This is really a contradiction in terms. Okay, so chapter 7, verse 8, Perak Zion, Pasuk Chet. Min ha-behimah ha-Torah. From the pure animals, and from the animals which were not pure, from birds and even the crawling insects, they came two by two or two of each uh, to the teva, male and female. We'll see a different phrase for that later. Just like God commanded Noah, time after time in this story, we've already seen. Um, in chapter 6 verse 22 we saw it again in chapter 7 verse 5 did exactly as God has commanded him and here again it is mentioned at the end of chapter 7 verse 9 everything that God did was exactly by divine order Seven days later, Some of you noticed the contradiction. It just said that Noach came to the Ark, but now it says it was still seven days until the um, the rain came. There are different ways of solving this contradiction, but I would say that uh, there are two different ways of telling this story. One is a way where it's B'Shem Hashem, there are seven days of preparation, um, followed by 40 days of rain, 40 days are going to be significant because 40 days, the same as 40 days on Mount Sinai, it's a time when man is secluded alone together with God. And in this regard, the 40 days, by the way, 40 always represents transition, but frequently being secluded, uh, they talk about 40 days for creating a new child until the child is the the fetus is discernible in the uterus and uh, 40 years in the wilderness a time of transition a times of amisrael seclusion um, in this version of the story there is a seven day wait followed by 40 days of rain rain also a symbol of god's hashkacha of god's uh, communication and this is the shame yudke vavke version of the story the other is that noah came in at the last minute when the floodwaters are there, it's all about survival. And this is going to be the version which is going to talk about a much longer period of the flood. Pasuk Yudalef, In the 600 years of Noach's life, In the second month, On the 17th of that month, The springs, which were the springs of the, the Tehom, the deep, this is different from rain. According to this version, the, store, the, the water is coming from an eruption from below of the Tahom, of that uh, primal deep, which we mentioned in the first lines of Sefer Breshit, and also the Arubot HaShamayim, the windows of the heaven. If you recall, on the second day of creation, God separated the upper waters from the lower waters, and now... That separation is being dissolved. That upper waters are now seeping down or dripping down or gushing down. And the likewise, the water from below is sprouting up. 
And now, Vaya Geshem al Aretz Arbaim Yom Barbaim Laila, a different way of looking at it. Rain was on the world for 40 days and 40 nights. On this very day, Ban Noach, Vashem, Vacham, Vyefet, Bene Noach, the men, the all came in, the Eshet Noach, Ushloshet, and the Shevanav, and the wife of Noach, who's never named, and his three daughters in law, El Hateva, Hema, Vachola Chayalamina, Vachola Behemalamina, them and all of the animals according to their kind, and the beasts according to their kind, and all of the insects according to their kinds, and all of the birds according to their kinds, Kolti, Por, Kol Kanaf, every winged creature, they are Voel Noach, they came to Noach, El Hateva, Shnaim, Shnaim, Mikol Basar, Sheboro, Chayim, two by two, all flesh which had the spirit of God in it. The, the the life of God, the last line here is that God Himself, Yudke Vavke, closes up the Teva, seals them in, and now they're in this capsule for forty days and forty nights and even longer. The flood or the confusion was 40 days on the earth. And now we're going to see if we've already seen the number 7, the number 40. The water, sorry, let me just stop for a second and mention so much of what we've heard is evocative from the creation chapter. We hear this idea of each species, every species which have ruach chayim, which have the spirit of God. And I think... We have a sense uh, that atmosphere of creation is here because God is going to be eradicating or wiping out that creation. The waters increased or swelled. It raised up off earth. They got even stronger. The waters got stronger. Now, not just Vayirbu, but Vayirbu Ma'od, they are increased incredibly over the land. The ark floated. Not only Gavru, Gavru Ma'od, but Ma'od Ma'od. The waters swelled even more. The waters are increasing. Now our reference point is not land or earth, but it is rather the heavens, and therefore they cover all of even the high mountains which are below the heavens. Fifteen cubits above the waters swelled and covered the mountains. Now we hear the terrible lines about how all creeping things, all flesh died. All of the animals and even man notice going in the order of um, creation. Um, first, uh, the sherets and the off, which were created on day five, and then the behima and adam, which were created on day six. Anything which had God's uh, life force in it. In its in its nostrils, literally breath. Mikola metu. Anything that was on dry land died. Vayimachet kolayahukum ashal pneha adama meadam vad behimad remesh vad ofashamayim. Notice here, God wiped out from the world everything that was on the face of adama, 
And now we see the reverse, because this is telling us from the perspective of chapter 2, where man is at the center. Me'adam, starting with man. Ad behima, ad remes, v'ad of ha'shamayim, v'yimachu min ha'aretz v'yishair ach noach. Only noach is left, v'asher ito v'teva. V'yibaru ha'mayim ala aretz chamishim u'mat yom. For 150 days, this state endures, where the waters of v'yibaru, from the word gvura, they are mighty over the world, they swell, they swirl they uh, over the world. And this is what we have here um, at this stage. Um, they, what's going to happen now is that what we call uh, the tipping point. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell has given us that wonderful phrase, the tipping point. And it's described as Vaiskor Elohim et Noach. You know, we've just gone through the Amim Noraim, and uh, we have the Zichronot. Does God forget? Does God forget human beings? So the truth is, the description here in Noach is frequently of God's intimacy. We had before, Vayinachem Hashem ki Adam ba'aret. God regretted he made man. Later on, we're going to talk about God smelling the sweet smell of the sacrifices. So Vayizkor indeed could be using a human word to describe God. But of course, of course, God doesn't forget, and he doesn't remember things that he has forgotten. Vayizkar is always God changing the fate of somebody or something. We find this later on in Sefer Breshit, when, for example, uh, we have the story of Rachel, who is finding it very, very difficult to conceive. And at a certain point, Elohim et Rachel, Elohim Elohim, Rachma. God heard Rachel's prayers, he listened to her and opened her womb. In other words, Vaiskar isn't just a cognitive feature on God's path part, but rather it indicates a change a change of, of, of fate before Rachel was barren and now her womb is open. We find a similar thing in uh, the beginning of Shemot where God um, hears the, the cries of the, the Hebrew slaves crying out to him and remembers the covenant. And what it says there is, um, here we go, God remembers his covenant at Avraham Yitzhak Yaakov and the next thing he does is to send Moshe we have the story of the snare, the burning bush Vayizkor always indicates a change of, uh, of fate a cha- something changing I should say more than that not just changing a reversal of direction. And indeed, this word by Yizkor indicates the tipping point. Until this point, the waters have been surging and growing and swirling and getting deeper and deeper. And now, Vayizkor looking at Noach, this is going to be the changing point. God remembers Noach and all the animals and the kolabahim ma'ashe tobativa. I'm reading here from chapter 8, verse 1. He starts a wind, a ruach, a spirit over the over the land, and the water starts to subside. And he closes up all of those springs. He closes up the windows in the heaven. And there is no rain. And the waters swirl around the world this way and that. So in other words, after the end of 150 days, 
the waters subside and we have this very interesting chiasm of seven days followed by 40, 150, and soon we'll see the 40 and 7 again. Um, here I have to mention something which I think is quite central to what we've been trying to explain. The way that chapter 8 is going to describe the process of the water level receding, the subsiding, and the reemergence of um, the, the earth as we know it follows so carefully the process of creation. I've said already at the beginning of our discussion that we have a process of decreation and recreation but of course here what's the first thing that happens in chapter 8 after God remembers? Uh, there's a spirit passes over the earth and the water subsided. This reminds us, of course, of the Ruach Elohim Amayim on day one of creation. Then, of course, here the springs of the deep are closed and the rain of the heaven is withheld, which reminds us about the day two, where God separated the water and put some of the water and some The next stage we're going to see is, uh, I'll keep reading, chapter 8, verse 4, the Teva landed in the seventh month, this is five months, five months, 150 days, five months since the waters have uh, have started beginning to fall. The 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 mabul, um, according to what we read, was started in Chodesh Sheni b'Shiva Asayom Lachodesh in the second month on the seventeenth day, and now we have the Teva landing here. On the seventh month, on the seventeenth day, five months, one hundred and fifty days. And the waters keep going down until the tenth month. On the tenth of the tenth month, the exposure of the tops of the mountains. This reminds us of day three in creation, where on day three, what did God say? God said, "Let the water all gather in one place, and let the dry land." be um, be exposed and therefore what we have here is day three this is going to follow day four we see in chapter 11 in, sorry in Pasuk 11 Pasuk Yud Aleph he waited seven days and he sends uh, the Yonah and uh, the Yonah even comes back eight Erev towards evening of course on the eighth on the fourth day of creation God had made the luminaries to rule the day and to rule the night and so therefore we see this understanding that there are days and there are nights and that has been restored um, of course the releasing of the birds the raven and the dove reminds us of the fifth day when birds are created the the fish were never extinct were never uh, destroyed in the marble and of course the last stage is going to be when all the animals are allowed out of the teva and they march out of the teva uh, we're going to see, and only after that, by Noach. So the idea being that uh, the whole of chapter eight doesn't just describe the the floodwaters, uh, you know, reducing in their intensity, but it's much more than that. The world is being recreated according to day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, 
of the Breshit uh, story. And uh, maybe we might then understand why, and we'll talk about it in our next class, um, when Noah comes out of the Teva, he's told, no surprise, Pru he's told to be fruitful and multiply. And God promises, uh, as he will in chapter 8, verse 21, 22, the word Shabbat, all the days of the earth, um, sowing and reaping, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will not cease. Um, so we have this idea that uh, the world is indeed being recreated through a process which is a mirror image of the days of creation. I'm going to keep reading from um, from verse 6. Pasuk Vav. Perachet Pasuk Vav. Vahim Iketz Arbaim Yom at the end of 40 days. This is another 40 days. At the end. So it's been 7 days, 40 days of rain, 150 days of the flood in some way. Or at least this is from a literary perspective. The way it is. And now at the end of 40 days. Vahiftach Noach et Chalon HaTeva. Before it had been called a Tzohar. Noach opens the window of the ark. He sends the raven. It went this way and back. Until the um, land dried up. And he sent the dove from him. Many people ask why if he sent the raven, did he need to send a dove? What was wrong with the raven? Um, here's something very uh, curious. It's not clear what happened. Uh, what does it mean when it says Vayetzei Yatso Vashov that the uh, raven went out um, this way and that? Um, did it come back? How should we read it? Yetzei Yatso Vashov. It went to and fro. In other words, it went out of the teva and went back. In other words, it, it wouldn't leave. It wouldn't leave the Teva. Rashi adopts this. It didn't want to leave its mate, says Rashi. Um, or could it be that it went and flew around but never came back to Noah? Very strange. The raven doesn't seem to cooperate. Some people want to suggest, among them the Chizkuni, that he sent the raven out first to examine whether the tops of the mountains were habitable at all. I imagine that any human beings who were experiencing the flood would have run up to the tops of the hills. And um, the orave is well known as a, a carnivorous an of bird, the, the raven. And therefore he sent the raven out first to see whether there were corpses strewn over all of the countryside, over the, the, the tops of the hills. And maybe the fact that the raven keeps flying about and coming back and coming back means that the, the world isn't strewn with corpses where the corpses went, I don't know, but the there aren't uh, dead animals and dead human beings everywhere, and that it isn't such a um, toxic environment to come out to. The 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 yona, the dove, is meant to look for. Uh, of course, it comes back with an olive branch. Is meant to look whether this is an habitable environment, whether the, there are trees and whether the animals have got a place to be able to settle. And therefore, maybe that's why the Yonah is sent second. There are very stark contrasts, the black raven and the white dove. But uh, the first stage is, Vayeshalach et ha He sends out the 
Nadav me to lirot hakalu hamai me al pnei adama. Have the water subsided. Velo matzah hayona manoach lekafragla. The dove did not find a resting place for her feet. Vatashavel el teva ki mayim al pnei kol haaretz. There was still water over all of the all over the land except the tops of the hills. Vayishalach yado vayikacheha vayavei ota elav leteva. Very tender image of Jonah sending of of sorry not Jonah of Noach sending forth his hand and taking the Jonah into the teva. Vayachelod shivat yamim. They wait seven days. Vayosef shalachet Jonah in the teva. Again he sends it away and the Jonah comes back. The famous image. Uh, towards evening, and it has an olive branch. In other words, the trees are being exposed. Now he knew that the water had uh, uh, had exposed the land. The there was sti- the water had sort of subsided or abated from the earth. And then he waited another seven days and let the dove go, and it didn't return to him again. And now we have the summative pasuk. You know, before we get to the summative pasuk, Manoach, right? We have Manoach sounds like Noach, and it's in fact the the um, the flood chapters have been constantly punning with the word Noach. Noach was born, and his father said, let Noah give us um, respite from our our labor and from the bitterness of our of our hands. Then, th- then we had God's decision to destroy mankind, which God regretted. Again, a parsing of the word Noah, but in a different way. Not relief, but God regretted. Then we had Noah Matzachein Hashem, Chain being Noah backwards, and now we have Velo Noach. He couldn't find rest. Noach is meant to represent rest. The Yonah, also interesting, could not find Manoach, could not find her Noach, could not find her relief or her place to put down her feet. Later on, we're going to find that Noach brings korbanot, sacrifices, and God smells the reach nichoach. Again, in the word nichoach is the word Noach. And therefore, Noach at the beginning has great hopes. However, they're dashed because Vayinachem Hashem, God regrets that He makes man. But eventually, Yonah is looking for the Manoach. Noach is looking for the Manoach along with the Yonah. He's looking for rest, and eventually, through his korbanot, through his sacrifices, he will find a sense of connection with God. Very beautiful alliteration on the word Noach. What is the role of these birds? And let's maybe read to the. End of the flood. Vayihi parachet pasukud gimel chapter eight verse thirteen. Vayibachat b'sheish miot shana, and it was in the six hundred and first year. Barishon on the first month. Bechad lachodesh on the first day of the month. Charvu hamayim. The water had dried up from the earth, and vayaser noach mikseh teva. Noach took off the cover from the ark. Vayar v'hine charvu penei adama. And he looked, and the earth was um, had dried up. And now, that was on the first of the first month. But now, 
We're going to see several weeks later, And on the second month, on the 27th day of the month, almost two months later, the land was completely dried. And now, God says to Noach, Leave the Teva. We'll come back to this verse next time. It's time to leave. And this went Noach leaves. I've always been puzzled. Why did Noach send out the dove and the raven? It doesn't make a lot of sense. Because, of course, he's waiting. He doesn't leave till God gives him an instruction. Very, very, very puzzling. Um, the Midrash relates to this in the Midrash Tanchuma. And it says, um, When the water stopped, uh, falling or when the, the Teva landed Noach should have left the Teva Ela Amari said I came in with God's uh, permission or with God's instruction I can't leave without his permission in the end he waited till God had um, given him an explicit instruction. Um, here there's an added comment by Amar Rabbi Hudabari Lai. Rabbi Hudabari Lai says, Ilu hayiti sham, if I was there, hayiti shoveret seli misham. I would have, <laughs> I would have broken down the, the ark and I would have left. I think we see here something very strange. On the one hand, Noah seems to be chomping at the bit. He wants to leave. He sends first the raven and the dove to see, is this place habitable? And eventually the, ra- the, the dove leaves him and he realizes that the water has um, subsided. He even then takes off the cover of the ark. The, the, we didn't realize there was a cover, but he took off the roof of the ark to allow um, everybody to look and to see the world. And only two months later is he allowed out by God. And I think there's a dichotomy here. Um, between two dimensions. Uh, on one hand, a man has to express his own initiative. Noah has to express, express his initiative. He has to express his eagerness in order to get back to the world and replenish the world. And on the other hand, indeed, as the Midrash says, Noah is God's servant. He's been doing everything. Ka'asher tziva Hashem, like God has commanded him, and therefore he has to wait for the explicit order. Tseimin ha leave the ark, and come out in order to um, in order to make the world uh, what it's meant to be again we have seen the process of decreation and recreation and next time we will see the words that God has to say what God has to say to man as he restarts the world thank you very much look forward to our next class together